Story and Sound. In 2010, Kay and Luke Partacooper began their journey across New Zealand to Mount Cook Lakeside Retreat. Luke, a South Islander at heart, was ready to return to the mountains. Both were ready to step back from their lives in Wellington and the hectic pace of the corporate world. We just really wanted a different lifestyle once our uh, youngest daughter left home to go to university after working in the corporate environment for 30 years, we thought it would be good to have a different lifestyle and we thought maybe we could have our team work in Wellington while we were down here enjoying this life. We wanted mountains, we wanted water, we wanted good views, and Luke wanted snow. They imagined 10 acres near Christchurch City. They looked at properties, but nothing felt right. Then, a realtor coaxed them three hours' drive west to view sections along the shore of Lake Pukaki. When they first laid eyes on their future paradise, it was 160 acres of rough ground covered in boulders, dense scrub and wilding pine trees. The vegetation was so thick they had to cut openings and crawl through to explore. The property had no roads, no infrastructure. They weren't even certain what views it would have, It was impossible to tell through the endless tangle of brush and rocks. They visited a neighbouring property to get a sense of what their view might be. We couldn't see Araki from that property, but we thought we might be able to see it from this one, and so that's why we chose this one, but we couldn't actually see it when we bought the land. It was just taken on faith, really. This podcast is the story of a journey. It's the journey of the natural forces that shaped an extraordinary landscape thousands of years before the first humans set foot on these islands. It's the journey of the couple whose vision and drive built a place of luxury in the wilderness. It's also the journey of the travellers that come to this place to rest, reconnect, explore the region, or indulge in the quiet and choose to simply be. Haidemai, welcome on the journey to Mount Cook Lakeside Retreat. Even in a country famous for its natural wonders and legendary beauty, Mount Cook Lakeside Retreat stands apart. It wasn't until we found this property And I think it wasn't until we started to clear the property as well that we realised there was a specialness about it in so many ways. So with the views, the location, the stillness, the stars being in the International Dark Sky Reserve, being so close to Araki with the National Park just up the road, we had to get this property to sort of make it work for what we were starting to believe could happen. The estate sits nestled on a cliff, tucked down a long, tree-lined drive. Below the estate, the vast waters of Lake Pukaki spread out toward the country's highest mountains, Aoraki and the other peaks of the Southern Alps. 
Lake Pukaki is fed by meltwater flowing down from the Tasman Glacier, and this water is filled with floating particles of pulverized stone. The silt, so fine it hangs suspended in the water, plays magic tricks on the human eye. On a bright day, the water is a brilliant, otherworldly color. Depending on the sun, the clouds, the day's conditions, it can appear jade green, shimmering pewter, or sparkling turquoise blue. Beyond the water, Aoraki towers over the landscape, silently drawing the eye and commanding attention. The mountain stands at the center of the Maori creation story of the South Island. This region holds deep spiritual significance for many New Zealanders. There is simply no other place like it. Just the glimpse of this scene in 2010 was enough to inspire Kay and Luke to begin transforming their lives. It carried them through a difficult 12-month purchase process, battling red tape and bureaucracy, and dealing with the local council and other agencies for land use permissions and permits. On the 5th of May 2011, we signed the deal and bought the land. Despite the property's wild and overgrown state, despite the mind-boggling amount of work it would require, they recognised they had something exceptional. Kay remembers only one moment when she felt they had taken on too much. We had to cut little tracks through to see what the property was like. And I remember one day saying to Luke, I I can't do this, it's too much. It was wet, I was soaking. We were crawling through wilding trees and, you know, trying to cut a path. And he probably foolishly said, well, I'll do the outside. You can do the inside. (laughs) And I've held him to that. The couple left their large, comfortable home in Wellington, a city of 400,000 people, to move to the Mackenzie region, one of the most rural and remote parts of the country. Here, in winter, on a raw and undeveloped property, in a place famous for extreme mountain weather, they began a new life as high country pioneers. We had no water, no toilet, no shower, nothing. So the first few times we came here, everything was just in a camping mode, and I suppose we're lucky we both had that sort of background. On their first few trips, they stayed in the sharers' quarters on a neighbouring property, traditionally a shepherd or staff accommodation, until they were able to build a few structures to live on site. And the first thing we built was a small hut, a a 10-metre-square hut, that was solely our bedroom, and and it was actually quite a beautiful hut because it was all TNG inside. It was very warm, very insulated. We could connect a generator onto it so we could have a light on at night and charge our phones. We'd got some windows from friends in Wellington to fit out the windows and doors. And then we also made a small hut that was much smaller, and that was our kitchen, dining room and lounge. They might have both come from a camping background, but they laugh looking back at the extremes of their lifestyle at that time. They were building their dream, piece by piece, by hand. For months, they lived something close to the experience of the European settlers who first came to the Mackenzie region in the 1800s. And I remember, you know, the first time I used to go down to the local um, petrol station and fill up my 20 litres of water to bring up here, and that's what we had for a couple of days for everything, and we would wash in a bucket, and we eventually, I built a, a short dropper, a toilet without a door that had a beautiful view. That was our toilet for a while, 
well, for quite a while actually, for eight months. We managed also to get hold of a small hot water cylinder that basically could sit on top of the toilet and, and that could actually act as our shower. So we, we did have a shower pretty soon on, but we initially started just with um, heating up a jug and using that for our bathing. We tried the bath as well. We tried a bath. With gas underneath and it took about three hours to heat. (laughs) (laughs) Used all our gas, so that was a no-go. They learned, Kay says, to celebrate the little things. Do you recall any particular moments that stand out as really big achievements or that felt like major progress? There were a few pivotal points for me when we were pioneering and, and one of those was getting the power on. And although we had the generator coming on and off to charge our cell phones and things, we had no power at night. So it was head torches and very, very dark. So being able to put a switch on when you've lived in the city and suddenly, you know, after about five months, you can actually turn a switch and you've got a light. I can't describe how satisfying that was really and how reassuring. The other thing was the water. We I did all the washing by hand. All the cooking was done on a two-ring gas burner. It was hard work. You know, I really appreciated what women of the past had to go through in terms of keeping a family going. So a lot of my time was just spent keeping everything going, you know, in that respect, um, hanging washing on the line and, and washing by hand and doing dishes by hand. If it was cold and wet, we'd all crowd into our little shed, which was three by four, and we had builders on site and blockies on site. And so you'd have to cook for all these people and then you'd be knee to knee in this little hut eating. So any any little breakthrough. So the power was one for me. Getting running water was another one that was huge because you didn't have to go into town and get water and use the big 20 litres with the little taps and conserve every little drop of water that you possibly could. Along the way, they had a lot of help from family and friends, contractors and staff. Their children and grandchildren visited and pitched in, camping on site. One of the big breakthrough moments for the couple was moving indoors into the first permanent structure on the property, their own villa, which they simply call the homestead. It was the 30th of September 2012 that we laid the floor for the homestead and I can still remember waking up at four o'clock in anticipation of the concrete trucks coming up the road and laying the first lot of uh, concrete for our dream. And that was quite a special day. I still remember waking up very early, just excited about that. Kay was quite adamant that we wouldn't move into the homestead until it was finished. But come May, I think it was, of 2013, it got very cold and we decided that we needed to go inside. It actually started snowing, so... (laughs) Even then, the work was still going on around them. They kept shifting their sleeping arrangements into new rooms as the rooms were completed. We slept in the wardrobes, we slept in the scullery, we, we slept all over the place, just until each room, so each room could get finished. Today, standing on the soft green manicured lawn of Mount Cook Lakeside Retreat, it's awe-inspiring to imagine the transformation. The overgrown tangle of wilding pine trees and brush is now a beautiful 160-acre estate, complete with tennis court, lovingly tended kitchen and flower gardens, an orchard of hardy fruit trees, and of course, 
the elegant, luxury guest villas. The Moraine Villas overlook the Benaho mountain ranges and the golden grasslands of the Mackenzie Basin. Ashley Mackenzie Villa and Villa Puaka feature the iconic view over Lake Pukaki to Aoraki itself. There is a night sky observatory designed and built by Luke with a retractable roof and telescope for stargazing and astrophotography. There is an event venue, Moraine Lodge, complete with a commercial kitchen where private chefs craft delicious meals using fresh ingredients, many grown on the property. Out of nature's raw materials, they have built a paradise where guests can step outside the hectic pace of daily life and take time to relax and reflect, to simply be. There is no part of the guest experience at Mount Cook Lakeside Retreat that Kay and Luke have not carefully considered, curated, and shaped. The place is truly their vision, down to the design concepts of the buildings themselves. Rather than an ultra-modern metal and glass design, Kay looked to ancient European architecture to create a solid, grounded, enduring feeling. They took inspiration from many places, from European cathedrals to the gold miners' cottages of historic Arrowtown, New Zealand, compiling folders and Pinterest boards of ideas. We stayed with a cousin in France who had transformed a 17th century horse barn into a beautiful holiday home, come home, Mm. where the walls were a metre thick and um, it was just very solid and very grounded. And that gave uh, some of the inspiration for here. And especially with the the type of the style of the buildings, with the beautiful 45-degree angles going into the window frames and door frames, uh, the thickness of the walls being 600 mil thick, it's just solid. The buildings, in my mind, were designed to embrace you and keep you warm, you know, had that cold theme going on. I wanted the buildings to be really solid and and I knew it would be very hot in summer. It can get up to 40 degrees here and it could be really cold. The farmer that sold us this property said, you know, they'd been down to minus 20, 25 in the winter. So extremes of temperature. So the buildings, this building in particular, are passive thermally designed. So they warm up in winter, all the, the tiles and the concrete and In the summer, we open all the doors and they act like a pavilion and there's not much sun comes into the building. They've been designed for the environment, really, and just to make you feel comfortable and, I guess, protected from the elements. Everything was designed to complement, not compete, with the breathtaking views outside. From the large windows and airy indoor-outdoor flow to the soft, muted colours of the furnishings. As Kay says... If you've got a brilliant sunset reflecting pink and red on the lake, that's where the colour is happening. They were committed to bringing the outdoors in, not distracting from the magnificence of nature. Even the plaster pattern of the exterior walls reflects this ethos. I'd taken a photo going through the Lindus of snow sitting on the tussock, and it was a very ripply photo. It was beautiful white ripples sitting on the, on the tussock. And that formed the basis for the outside plaster. It has the same rippled effect. And when we did the homestead, we got uh, the plaster team in and 
I think there were four of them and they all did their own design. I showed them the photo. They all interpreted that and then we picked one, Gabrielle, who was the lead plasterer for the job. So they had to create his style. I think it's a fairly typical style of central Otago as well. We've kept that style on the outside render. The whole, the design is all, apart from the concrete walls, as natural elements as possible. We used to have a holiday home, a log cabin, and every time we walked in there, there was a sense of shedding and relaxing, and I put that down to the fact that it was was all natural materials. There was no plastics or anything for miles. And so that's why we decided on the wooden joinery, the New Zealand Oregon for the ceilings, the travertine for the floors, everything, you know, the lovely big wooden bench tops and granite as opposed to formica. So everything is quite enduring and it's very natural. And I think that adds to the sense of the environment. Outside, the natural features of the land have been preserved and integrated wherever possible. Luke and Kay's own residence, the homestead, is sited near a boulder they discovered in their first days exploring the property. The boulder was left behind by the retreating glacier thousands of years ago. The effect of the glaciers, and especially with the big erratics, the big rocks that had been dumped, took on quite a lot of importance for us, and we share that with the guests. So we've called the Moraine Lodge and Moraine Villas because they're sitting on 20,000 BC Moraine. It's really old. The fact that we had 300 metres of ice above us at that time, which has now retreated up to Aoraki and, and it's still retreating, you get that sense of being in a very ancient landscape. These natural reminders of an ancient past, the sturdy permanence of the architecture, the wild beauty of the place, all of this combines to create a profound feeling that you can step outside of time, pause, and rest. Perhaps the guests who have enjoyed the retreat can describe it best. A wonderful oasis in the beautiful Mackenzie country. A divine vista of Mount Cook and the lakeside of Pukaki. Your retreat made us feel cozy and rejuvenated. Well done, Luke and Kay. Mm -hmm. 